Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. I don't know about you, um, you know, a little irritated that it's cold weather again, right? What happened? Did all you people from up north bring it with you? Is that what happened? I'm just kidding. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, you can open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Uh, we're going to continue here in a moment in our series uh, as we have been taking a look at the whole nation of Israel over these past few weeks as we have been talking about this whole idea of God and his plan and in his sovereignty and in um, his power coming to save the nation of Israel. But also, uh, as we'll celebrate next week, he sent Jesus into the world um, to save humanity from their sins. And uh, this has been a great message series, He Will Come and Save. And mentioned a few weeks ago, implied in this particular message, even in the title, uh, He Will Come and Save is a premise and a promise. There's the promise of will, He will come and save. And the premise is, is that we need saving from, we need saving from our sins. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way this morning. I got my tissue here, and I've, I've got my water and everything, so I'm ready to ready to rock and roll this morning. Um, uh, most of you probably know that six weeks ago we got uh, the message that my mom, uh, who had breast cancer 12 years ago, uh, her breast cancer had returned, and it had it was stage four, and it had metastasized, and it was almost literally everywhere uh, in her body, even in her brain. I flew last Sunday as soon as church was over. Actually, I got bumped from a plane last Sunday and I flew out Monday morning to go see my dad. I wanted to help him um, because my mom's condition was worsening. Little did I know that she would pass away uh, on Tuesday night at about 11.30 this past week. And so um, you can imagine the week that my wife, Cynthia, and I have had. Um, it's been a week of a lot of sorrow and a lot of tears and a cold, so tissues are double-fold today, um, but um, I'm thankful for what Christ did on the cross, because my mom died at 68 years old, and uh, if she at 68 had not accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior, today wouldn't be a day of thanksgiving for me. Today wouldn't be a day of rejoicing, and the tears that we've shed over these last few weeks um, wouldn't turn into tears of joy today, but they are tears of joy, and it is a day of thanksgiving, and it is a day, yeah, of sorrow because she's gone, and a lot of fond memories of life with her and her 68 years on this earth, but I'm telling you, I have so much peace today, and I have peace because his promise is true, that he will come and save, and he did come and save, and we get to celebrate that next week, but today is the end of the story that we've been walking through. It's the end of the story as we've been following the nation of Israel as God promised not only to save humanity from their sins, but as a precursor to that, he saved the nation of Israel from their sins. And before we dive in and take a look at this last, um, in really, last in this part of the series, it really continues. It continues next week and it continues the week after that. But this is kind of the, the final chapter of what we're going to look at with the nation of Israel with this particular promise that God had made to his people. Before we dive in, would you just join me in a word of prayer this morning? And God, we thank you so much. I thank you so much that Susan Cullen, uh, because of her faith in you, not because of anything that she did, but because of her faith in you, that when she died, when her time here on earth expired on Tuesday at 11.30 p.m., 
God, that she entered your kingdom. God, and that all of her pain and suffering and all that cancer that she had that spread everywhere and so quickly, in an instant, it was gone. And God, she didn't have to face eternal death. She gets to face eternal life with you because she put her faith in you. And God, I'm so thankful for that promise. And I'm so thankful for the promises that you made throughout history. I'm so thankful that what we celebrate today, when you walked into Jerusalem, preparing to to give you thanks for what you had done uh, so much earlier in the life of the Israelites, God, when you walked into Jerusalem that day on that Palm Sunday and they waved those branches, God, you were coming in to, to remember the fact that you did come and save and that you will come and save. And God, I'm thankful that today you are still saving us. God, be with us now as we open your word. May the words jump out. God, may you fill in the gaps because I'm weak today, and I'm just praying that you would be strong, that your Holy Spirit would guide us. And God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by the thanksgiving that we give you today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Jesus walked into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, the day that they, they waved palm branches in honor for this man of royalty who was coming in, this rabbi who was coming into Jerusalem. But, but he was like any other rabbi. He was like any other um, person who was part of the nation of Israel. He was just like anyone else. He was coming into Jerusalem that day to celebrate the season of Passover. And he would, with his disciples, gather together on an, in an upper room there in Jerusalem on the Thursday, the, the night before his trial and his arrest and trial and then death on a cross. He, he would celebrate together that Passover meal. It's a, it's a meal that we celebrate in a small part every time we take communion. Do you realize that? Those of you who have been part of church for a long time, every time you partake of that cup and that bread, It's not just remembering what Christ did on the cross, although that is the main reason that we talk about it, and that's the main reason we practice it. Uh, But what you're also celebrating, what you're also remembering is the fact that God is a saving God all throughout the course of human history. Because the nation of Israel celebrated this Passover feast. It's the Seder Supper, a meal that we are going to Uh, be partaking in in a large scale together coming up this Wednesday. For those of you who signed up, about 120 of you signed up to be a part of the Seder Supper coming up Wednesday night. I'm so excited about that. It's going to be a great time where we actually go and celebrate that meal, that traditional meal that remembers what God did. And and what God had done with the nation of Israel, the story that we've been telling over these last few weeks is uh, the story of deliverance. And Every time it seems like we close the chapter uh, on on the story that we've heard from last week, there's this question, there's this tension, there's this um, kind of like unanswered thing. Like God said he was going to come and save. He made this promise, but it really looks like it's not going to be fulfilled. It looks like he won't come and save. It looks like things aren't going to work out all well for the nation of Israel. Well, last week we talked about the fact that it did. And I went ahead and answered the whole story that God led them out of Egypt. He led them across the dry ground of the Red Sea and did a miraculous thing in that. But there was something that happened that was a precursor to that. So today we're taking one small step back 
And there's so many parallels today. Uh, forgive me if, if I make a lot of different parallels today w with you and I and with our church and with the course of human history. There's so many parallels going on with what Jesus was celebrating that day. He was celebrating and remembering the fact that God delivered the nation of Israel out of the bondage of slavery. And, and there was a precursor event that happened towards the end of the nation of Israel's time in Egypt. They, they were enslaved in Egypt. The Pharaoh was incredibly cruel. You can read all of the story from about Exodus 3 to about where we are now in Exodus 12, 13, and 14. It's an amazing story. I want to challenge you to go home and, and, and read that um, as, as a part of your own personal uh, time with God. But the nation of Israel was there in captivity. They entered the land, 70 people. They exited it. Most theologians believe two and a half million. Really amazing that God in 400 years did that with them. Obviously, they played a part in that, right? So anyway, but God did that with them, and they exited two and a half million people. But what happened in the days leading up to them leaving was really miraculous. You see, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and, and Moses and his brother Aaron were meeting with this Pharaoh, and over and over again, his heart was hardened. And so God decided that he would plague Egypt with nine plagues. And each of these plagues was directed towards the Egyptians. Uh, there were locusts. There was blood. There, there uh, was f famine. There was uh, cattle that died. Uh, there were these plagues, and each one of them was directed specifically at the Egyptians for the purpose of softening this hard Pharaoh's heart. And none of that softened his heart. And so God decided that he would have one plague. That's why it's not just nine plagues. It's ten plagues of Egypt. He decided that he would have one more plague, and death had not been one of the plagues until God decided that this tenth plague would be death. And so in Egypt, what God promised, what God told Moses, is that he would plague the Egyptian, or he would plague the whole nation of Israel with the death angel, that the firstborn of each household would die. And so this was the 10th plague, and it was a plague that wasn't directed just towards the Egyptians. It was directed towards everyone in Egypt, Hebrew and Egyptian. But God, because he's a God of deliverance, because God is a God that gives us a way out of our bondage and our sin and our failure and our faults, he did the same thing with the nation of Israel. He did the same thing for them. And he told the nation of Israel if they would take a perfect lamb and take the blood of that perfect lamb and put it on the doorposts of each of their door that the death angel that night would pass over that home and death would not come to that household and the nation of Israel listened to God and they obeyed God and God used that act of obedience to allow the way for the nation of Israel to escape the bondage of the Egyptians. He, he provided a way out, and, and so that's, the, that's kind of the precursor event uh, that leads us to the, the, the great crossing of the Red Sea on dry land. It, it was almost like it was two things that happened, the, the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea. And I want to read just part of that uh, event that happened there in Exodus 12. If you have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. We're actually going to read 25 through 42 this morning. This is what happened to the Israelites there in Egypt as God allowed the death angel to pass over the house of those who put the blood of that perfect lamb on their doorpost. Take a look at this. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, 
as he promised, you shall keep this service. Let me pause for a moment. Everything preceding this verse has been God establishing a period of time where the nation of Israel would, would take time out each and every year to remember God delivering. But if I'm a normal Israelite at this point, I'm going, you haven't delivered us yet, God. Like, let's see this in action, and then we'll see if I actually honor it. But you can see that God was beginning to do this. Verse 26, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the house of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads. And what did they do? They worshiped. They worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, and the Lord had command, uh, uh, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, all the firstborn of the livestock, verse 30, and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all, of, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry. In Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. It was a terrible plague. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both of you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. This is what the Pharaoh said. Serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said. Be gone and bless me also. This is the Pharaoh that just the day earlier had kept the nation of Israel in slavery. Be gone and bless me also. Verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. Like if we don't get God's people out of here, we're all going to be dead. It's not just going to be the firstborn. God is obviously on their side. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls before, bound up in their, uh, before being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for gold and silver and jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. That's where we get roughly 2.5 million, most experts believe. A mixed multitude also went up with them. And very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough as they have brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. For the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the lords went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt, so that this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout the generations. And thus began an annual celebration by the Jewish people to remember God's deliverance of the nation of Israel out of the bondage of slavery. You see, it wasn't just the crossing of the Red Sea. It was also the fact that they walked in obedience to God's command. He gave them a way out. He gave them a way to have death literally be passed over them. And that's why we call it the Passover feast. That's why we call it the time of Passover. It's remembering the fact 
that God provided a way of escape. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? And so this great nation of Israel, this two and a half million people that entered the, now the Sinai Peninsula and wandered for a long period of time, but they were on their way to the promised land. The fulfillment of that covenant with Abraham that God had made almost 600 years earlier was becoming clear that God was going to keep that covenant. He was going to keep that promise. They were on their way. God had made them into a great nation. He had blessed them, and he was about ready to put them literally on the edge of that promised land. And so the people did what God asked them to do, and that is, is they gathered together each and every year to celebrate the fact that God delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. That's the celebration that Jesus was going into Jerusalem so many years later. On that week that he would ultimately die, the week that we're celebrating this week, that holy week, the Passover, or the, uh, the week, the Passion Week, the week that we're celebrating. He was going there as a Jewish rabbi to celebrate with his followers this meal, this Passover meal that many of you are going to be a part of this Wednesday. And all of you are a part of those of you who are Christ followers every time we take the Lord's Supper. The word Seder over time became the name that was given to this dinner, to this meal, because the word Seder means order. And if you're with us this Wednesday, you'll hear from a representative from the Jews for Jesus who will explain every detail of the meal and how it represents every detail of the whole story of them being in Egypt and the whole story of the fact that God will come and save. But I want to draw two parallels for us today that I think apply to us. The first is this, God's saving work with the nation of Israel is absolutely a picture of his saving work for all of humanity, and that includes you and me. It includes you and me. For those of you who are here today who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, just like my mom is today, you're going to be in heaven when you die. When your date of expiration comes on this earth, your spirit will be with Jesus in heaven because of your faith in him. I have no sorrow in my heart for my mom. She's cancer-free. She's pain-free. She, she's worry-free. She's dancing with Jesus in heaven. And let me tell you, she didn't dance here on earth at all. I got that from her. <laughs> and you can have the same thing. And this picture of the Thanksgiving feast, this time of remembering, yeah, the sorrow of, of the pain in Egypt, but also the deliverance of God from Egypt, is the same kind of Thanksgiving that you can have, the same kind of peace that you can have, just like I have, because I know my mom, when she was a teenager, accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. She didn't have a perfect life. She didn't have suffering removed from her here on this earth. But today... It's gone. It's all gone, every bit of it. Today, we can have peace because we are people of thanksgiving. And so if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never said yes to him, man, I, I, I want to challenge you. Put your faith in him. Maybe you've been on the verge so many times of, of, of just saying, yeah, I, I, I know I'm a sinner and I put my faith in you, Jesus. But you've never taken that step. Please don't miss today, at the end of the message, an opportunity to do just that. The second parallel, I think, is for us as a church. 
This time of Thanksgiving is, is a time that we're going to enter uh, today, later today, as, as we're celebrating what God is doing. Um, he, he may not have delivered us from bondage, but I, but I got to tell you, as a church, he's done amazing things in our midst, hasn't he, over these past three years? How many of you were with us down at Office Park Road uh, three years plus ago? How many of you were with us? Raise your hands. That's really awesome, because if you realize that, there are so many of you who have joined us since. That is great news. That is great news. And I got to tell you, in May of 2011, when we were in a very small building down on Office Park Road, um, and the, the air conditioners never would work. They're working today, aren't they? <laughs> right here. <laughs> Some of you are freezing. I know. I get that. Um, I'm trying to keep you awake. Uh, so anyway, um, down there, like the air didn't work. The heating didn't work. It was a small building, low ceiling. You know, it was, it was tough to do anything in there. And, and we were expanding rapidly. We were growing rapidly. And God arranged for us to be here today because of his faithfulness to us as a church. And we should give him thanks, shouldn't we? Because he's the one that provided every step of the way. I told the story a few weeks ago about the fact that it was the day I was supposed to meet with the landlord down there on Office Park Road to sign a new lease. It was that day that Gary Harrison, one of our elders at the time, who will be here in the next service, is going to be cooking for us later this afternoon. It was that day that he got a phone call from someone saying, hey, there's a warehouse that may be available at Mile Marker 9. And he called me and he said, don't go to that meeting yet, man. Don't go. Come down here and take a look at this because I think God gave us, is going to give us just the right space. I think he gave us just the right space, don't you? He gave us just the right space. And today we're going to celebrate grand opening later today. In a few minutes, we're going to dedicate that new kid's space to him as we pray for it to be used for his glory and for his work. But there are some parallels, and, and you and I play a part. There's three ways that we play a part. First of all, it's in our faith walk. Do you realize this whole story of he will come and save? The whole story of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel began with a man named Abraham who had great faith. That when God told him that he would make him a great nation and he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 and they didn't have any kids, he believed God. That takes great faith, doesn't it? He believed God. Jacob believed God 200 years later when he walked into the evil land of Egypt that God was going to be faithful to his promise. He had great faith. And there are some of you who were there at the beginning of Hilton Head Island Community Church when we were part of Low Country Community Church, and you had great faith. And I'm so thankful for each of you who had great faith. And many of you have joined along the way at some point in time along the way, and you have had great faith, just like Abraham did, just like Isaac did, just like Jacob did, just like Moses did. And the story of the nation of Israel the parallel for us as a church is we need to be people of big faith, don't we? We need to be people of big faith that when we con confront a, a stumbling block or a, a wall or a ceiling, that we have faith that God absolutely will provide, that he is faithful to his promise, and he began our church to reach the people of this community because in this community, there are 90% of the people who live here who are full-time, 90% of the almost 40,000 who don't have a church home. And I believe that God has called us to be a part of solving that problem. 
I believe that God has called us to change that, along with many other churches in our area. But we need to believe him, and we should be people of big faith. The second thing that the nation of Israel did is they were not just people of big faith, but they were people of great obedience, weren't they? They were people of unrelenting obedience. Now, there were times that they wavered. There were times in the next few years that they did waver. There were times that in slavery, I'm sure some of them doubted, but they were people of obedience. And Abraham, 600 years earlier, followed God in the unknown. Jacob followed God into that place of danger. And the people followed Moses out of Egypt, not knowing where God was going to lead them. But you know what they did? They put one foot in front of the other, and they followed God, and they followed God's man. And today, we're people of thanksgiving because we're people of faith. But I pray and I hope that as we move forward, church, that we become more and more and more people of obedience. That we are listening to God and that we are following God. In May of 2011, we had 40 families that gave to Hilton Head Island Community Church. And our ceiling, our big wall, our great challenge was $100,000 to enter into a lease on this building and this land. And in 30 days, God used your obedience to raise $100,000 in 30 days to be able to enter this building and walk on these grounds and claim it for him and make it our own. And I'm so thankful because some of you obeyed and it cost you. It cost you a lot. And because you had great faith, and because you were people of obedience, you also will become people of a great legacy. Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and then Moses, hundreds of years later, they were people of legacy because they, they paved the way, didn't they? They cleared the path for God to do amazing things in their midst. Abraham, when he left Ur of the Chaldees, and when Jacob walked into Egypt, and when Moses crossed the Red Sea, that faith and obedience became a legacy of God's people. And those of you who have been a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church over these past three to five years, you are building a legacy for the future. And when 2013 came and we needed to raise $100,000 more for that space right behind me, you were people of obedience because you knew that our students needed to hear the gospel. And Todd and Sammy Cooper have come along, and kids are being saved. They're coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they're walking with him because of your faith and because of your obedience and because you had a legacy. And when it was time for us to, to complete the insides of these walls, you all raised another $100,000. And today we're celebrating our grand opening back there in our kids' space, in our Ignite space. And it is awesome. And you'll get to see it later today. I hope you come back so that you can just walk through it. it it's amazing. But you know what? It's a great place for our kids, the next generation, to hear the message of Jesus Christ and to come to faith in him. You see, when faith and obedience and legacy converge, that's when we get on the same page with what God is doing. Are you with me? When we have great faith, 
when we follow him in obedience and when we decide that it's not all about us, it's about the next generation, that's when we get on page and get in sync with what God is doing. And it's at that point that we can be thankful because he's the one that provided. We just played a part, didn't we? We just played a part. And each and every year, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, get together and they celebrate the fact that their forefathers were people of big faith. They were people of unrelenting obedience, and they were also people that understood what leaving a great legacy meant. My mom, you're going to see a picture of here up on the screen. Um, there she is. That was taken in July of 2012, just a week or two after we moved in here. Isn't that awesome? And uh, my grandfather is right there, and uh, he passed away two years ago next month. And, of course, my mom unexpectedly passed away just this last week. And those two people, they, lay, they let a, left a legacy for me and my family. My mom prayed for me when I was a kid. She knew that God would use me in some remarkable way, and she wrote me a note one day and said, I, I believe that God's going to use you in, in full-time Christian ministry, and I am praying for you, and so is your grandmother, who's, she's not in this picture because she passed away back in 2007, and so is your grandfather, and so is your dad, and so I had a legacy in my home of people praying for me, but I got to tell you, their legacy went way beyond me, because when, it, because when it was time to give, that man right there, my grandfather, he gave the first $25,000 to this building to move into here. And God used his faith and his obedience and my family's legacy, my mom's prayers, to see so many of your kids develop their faith walk. Am I right, parents? Am I right, teachers? You see, when we are people of big faith, or people of obedience, or people of legacy, that's when we can give thanks because he will come and save. That's when we can remember what God will do because it's the next generation that matters. I found out six weeks ago that mom was dying of cancer. We didn't know if it would be six months. That's what they told us. It ended up being six weeks, six weeks. And on March the 1st, I celebrated my birthday and I got home from church that day. It was a Sunday. I got home from church and I opened my cards and my son, by the way, I asked him if um, I could share the story and he said, yes. Uh, he gave me a birthday card, and in it, he said, Happy birthday, Dad. I hope you have a great day. He's eight years old. And he said, I want to let you know it's going to be okay. Because soon, Grandma Sue is going to be in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Soon, Grandma Sue is going to be in heaven. That stayed with me these past four weeks. Every time I got worried, I thought about that. And he learned that here in this church. He learned that back in those rooms. Yeah, Cynthia and I are a part of that. We taught him that too. But it really galvanized and it anchored here in this church. And today, we're going to enter a time of prayer. And for those of you who haven't put your faith in Jesus, man, I want you to do that today. I want you to know that if you died tomorrow or six weeks from now or six months from now or six years from now or 60 years from now, that you knew beyond a shadow of doubt you're going to heaven. But in a few minutes, we as a church are going to get on our knees and we're going to thank God and we're going to dedicate this new space to him. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for Passover. Thank you for this time where we can reflect on your goodness, that you did come and save the nation of Israel, and that you are saving humanity through the saving work of your son, through the redemption of Jesus. 
And God, right now, I want to pray in the strong name of Jesus for those who may be in here and they haven't come to faith in you. God, I pray that they would realize that life's expiration date can happen in a moment. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to challenge you and invite you to say yes to him right now. If you're here today and you don't really know how to do it, that's okay. Just in your own words, um, you can kind of follow me with this prayer. It's a prayer of salvation, and the words don't matter. It's the, it's the intent of your heart. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you for making eternity in heaven with you possible. Today, I admit that I'm a failure and that I have a lot of sin. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, please just raise your hand for a moment. Please just raise your hand so I can pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Just raise your hand. Put it up high, please, so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Pray that prayer today. Thank you. Anyone else today? God, I thank you for those whose hands are raised today. God, they're going to, hey, when they die, they get to see my mom there one day. But better than that, they get to see you in heaven, Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. God, I'm so thankful for the work that you have done in the course of human history. And God, I'm thankful for the work that you are doing in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. May you be glorified. May we remember that you just used us to do your work. And I pray all of this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.
Isn't that awesome, guys? Isn't that awesome? You know what I loved seeing in that video is all the different ages that participated in doing much of the work uh, over there in the kids' space. And um, I just want to thank each and every one of you who painted um, and, and helped out and, um, you know, uh, cleaned and taped and taped and taped and taped and cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. Um, so many of you jumped in and, and helped us in, in amazing ways. And just for a moment, before we dedicate our space to the Lord and before we give him thanks for what he's done, um, if, by the way, this is my leadership team. This is our leadership team back here. These are members of our staff, um, elders, and our stewardship team. And they're standing here today because they're going to lead us um, in dedicating this space to him um, and giving God thanks uh, for what he has done. But before we do that, I'm going to ask each and every one of you who gave one dime to contribute to this space here back in 2011 the space behind me in 2013, and the space we just opened with our kids' space this year and last year. If you gave to Maximum Impact, if you gave to, gave to Foundation for Future, I want you to stand for a moment. If you gave even one dime to that, stand up for a moment. Stand up for a moment. Thank you so much. Give it up for them. Thank you so much for your contributions. You can be seated. Why don't you join me in a word of prayer, and if you would stand or kneel or get in a position that's meaningful to you, I'm going to kneel, and I'm going to ask my leadership team to kneel as we dedicate that space over there to God. Father God, thank you so much for what you are doing in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, and I thank you that inside these four walls, everything that has been done has been done with cash. That is reason to celebrate. And God, we don't take credit for that. We were just part of it. And God, I give you the honor and the glory. And God, today we dedicate that space over there to, to you, God. We dedicate this whole building and this property to you. God, may you use it for your glory. And God, may it leave a legacy of people like my son who accepted you as his savior and my daughter who accepted uh, her, her, uh, you as her Savior, God, here in Hilton Head Island Community Church and many, many others. God, I pray that you would use it for your, your good and for your glory. God, may we steward it well. May we steward it to the best of our abilities. And may you be pleased with that. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Why don't you guys give it up for the leadership team of Hilton Head Island Community Church. Tom, Summer, Kelly, thank you. Todd, Wendy, and Chris, thank you all very much. And you guys can step off, except for Chris. Come on up here. This may surprise him a little bit. Come on, buddy. Over here. Stand up right up here with me. Um, I just want to, for a moment, because I know we need to leave, and I'm sure that Summer's not happy with me right now, our children's director. Uh, so anyway, I'm going way long. But um, Cynthia, um, obviously, is my wife, but she is much more than my wife. Uh, she is my partner in ministry in many ways, and she serves in, in many ways um, that none of you ever will see. And uh, she and Chris Sanders uh, led the effort from budget to making sure that everything got done over there with that project to making sure that every last detail was taken care of. And I just want to thank you, Chris, and I want to thank you, Cynthia, for all that you guys did. Y'all are special to this church, and you're special to me, and I'm thankful for you. And I want them to give it up for you today. All right? Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. You guys can stand up now. 
Uh, just want to let you know about our Passion Week activities starting tonight. Well, actually, after this second service at 1230, I know you're here now. We'd love to invite you back for a free lunch, and we're just going to party. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Okay. That's good. We're just going to have a good time outside. It's beautiful weather. The barbecue crew is cooking. Dean St. Hilaire is going to be doing live music out there. we got the Jumpy House. And for those of you that maybe don't have children or haven't seen our kids' space, it's all open, and we want you to be able to walk through it and just see. Um, just the amazing, um, just amazing environment it is for our kids. So that's at 12:30 or so. You guys can come on back and join us. And tonight at six o'clock, we're going to be showing the movie Son of God that came out last year, um, and we'll be showing it in this room from six. It's about a two-hour movie. Um, this is totally appropriate for a middle schooler or older. Um, wouldn't wouldn't encourage it for any ages younger than that. Um, but would love for you to come back tonight. We're kind of joining in with Coop and the student ministry tonight and all coming together to kind of begin Passion Week together, focusing on that. And then uh, Wednesday night, our Passover Seder, for those of you that have already made your reservations, you can go back and get your keg mixes back there. But it is a sold-out event. We're very excited about that, but it is, it is completely full. But we want to invite you on Friday night to our Way of Suffering Good Friday experience. Uh, this is a, a time where we're going to basically turn this entire building into a, your own self-led worship experience. And you're going to be able to go through different stations as a family and just focus your heart and mind on the cross. You can come anytime after 6 o'clock. You don't need to be right at 6, so come at any time. It should take you about 30 to 45 minutes to go through it, and it's done when the last person leaves. We'll, we'll just be here and, until we're done. So I want to encourage you to do that. And then, obviously, next Sunday, three services, 8, 30, 10, and 11.30, please stop by guest services today and pick up an invite card please. and invite somebody to be here with you Easter Sunday morning as we just celebrate, uh, again, what God has done and what he continues to do. Awesome. And I want to, two things. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior today, whether you raised your hand or not, please let me know about that on that card down, uh, down there at the bottom of that worship folder. Uh, take that back to guest services. They'll give you a Bible uh, if you don't have one, and I would like to personally follow up. Uh, with you uh, by phone or email, and so please don't let that don't let today go. Don't leave here without doing that. It's so important that you have uh, a follow up uh, with that decision you made today. Also, if you're part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family, thank you so much. Those of you who give generously, I want to uh, challenge you to give on your way out uh, to our general fund. Uh, giving stations are located at guest services and as you leave, and of course you can give online or through your app. Why don't you stand up? Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you get to take a look at the kids' space, and I hope you come back for lunch today. We'll see you later. Have a great week, everyone.